You know, I always look forward to like being at home with my sweetheart, enjoying a meal. Uh, I like ice cream. Uh, I like ice cream, so <laughs> it's no secret. Uh, yeah, we, we always look forward to things that we associate uh, rewards with, rewards of some kind. For instance, Christmas, right? If we're uh, good boys and girls, we will enjoy a, a wonderful Christmas. Or Allowance Day. You know, my dad used to give me 10 cents a week for every year that I, that I survived in school. So I look forward to the first Monday of the month when I would get my 10 cents for first grade, 20 cents for second grade, etc. Or passing the ninth grade. Now, I worked hard on passing the ninth grade. First time through, it didn't work out so good. Second time, I worked hard, I must admit. So that last day, the first day of summer vacation... It was a great joy for me because I knew I passed, so there was celebration, there was, there was uh, anticipation, looking forward to all the good things uh, that were coming for a student who worked hard. Now, if you understand what I'm saying about these special occasions, then the next question, it, it should make sense to you. Have you ever forgotten about any of those wonderful occasions? Have you ever forgotten that Christmas was the next day or that the next day you were getting your allowance or was the next day the day you passed from one difficult session into something enjoyable. Usually we don't forget those things. In other words, they don't sneak up on us. Well, Paul's passage today written to the Thessalonians deals with that. He's telling the Thessalonians that they don't need to worry about the day of the Lord sneaking up on them. So join me in reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 through 11. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 11. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should, should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. For those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for the, the apostles' encouragement. And Lord, we know he, he gets this information with which to encourage us from you. So Lord, we are grateful for the encouragement this morning. And we pray, Father, that as we work through this passage, you will fill us with understanding, Lord, so that uh, we'll not be uh, surprised by the great and wonderful day of the Lord when it comes, but we will be ready. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so last week we left the Thessalonians with an encouragement that Jesus will return and a warning that he will be coming suddenly, like, a, like the onset of childbirth. 
The strategy is, since Jesus has made us alive, we are called to be alive. So today's passage deals with what that looks like. What does it mean to be alive? First of all, don't be afraid. Paul expresses his confidence that the Thessalonians will not find themselves in the calamitous situation he has just outlined. He says, you are not in darkness, brothers and sisters, for that day to surprise you like a thief coming into your house at night. The darkness that Paul is talking about here uh, is a place. It's a realm. It's the world with all its misconceptions, arrogance, and sin. The Thessalonians, because they believe in Jesus, they are not in darkness. They are in the light. The light is another place. It is the kingdom of God. Therefore, they will be safe on the great and glorious day of the Lord. Acts 2, 19 and 21. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Children of the light, children of the day. God has made the light shine in our hearts and given us knowledge of his glory in the face of Jesus. In this little passage, uh, sort of wrapping up this first sentence or so, Paul switches from you all, or you plural, to we. He's including himself with them as children of light. Paul is also a child of the light. And he says, because we are not of the night or darkness we will be characterized by the place in which we live. And for Paul, that's the the realm of light, the kingdom of God. So Paul says that the attributes of that kingdom are your attributes. Because a a kingdom is not an empty place. It's not a a vessel or a building that sits somewhere. Uh, It is a people. So where the people are, that's where the light is, because Jesus is the light. And he is with us always, even unto the the end of the, the age. So, we are children of the light. Christ has changed us. Passage actually reads, sons of the day. And this has to do with the idea of inheritance, but more of that in a moment. It's similar to sons of light, which we find in the Old Testament. For the day is the region of light, but it is not a simple repetition. Sons of light, children of light. Sons of day, children of day. Uh, it looks back on the day of the Lord. So when they say the, the day, they mean the day of the Lord. So they'll be children of the day of the Lord. So the day of the Lord, terrible and, 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 and uh, powerful as it may be for those who are suffering wrath, for the children of light, for the sons of the day, it will not be so. It will be a glorious day, a wonderful day. They will participate in the triumph of that great day. Because they belong to that great day. They will have the fulfillment of their being when that great day comes. So Paul says, be alive, be light, be the people that God has made you to be in Christ Jesus, children of God, victors with Christ. Sons who inherit 
And that's where the idea of sonship comes in. And that culture in those days, sons did the inheriting, the firstborn son. So in Christ, the firstborn son of the dead, right, uh, brings all of us along who then also become firstborn sons. And we all inherit. Ephesians 1.11 says, In Christ we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And first, and Peter 1.4 describes this inheritance further, saying that we have been born again into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So our inheritance is in Christ. And that makes it uh, bulletproof. That makes it uh, so that it will never go away. It will always be our inheritance. And when we receive it, it will be ours forever. So it's imperishable. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Through the living and enduring word of God. Jesus speaks and it becomes, Right? So when Jesus calls us uh, uh, friends, uh, children, sons, brothers and sisters, that word has power to change things. And so we who are called the friends of Jesus go from being children of wrath to children of the light and inheritors, sons with him. Not only is our inheritance imperishable, but it's also unspoiled. Revelation 21:27 reads, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. If you you grew up, you know, after the war, like many of us baby boomers did, uh, the the tradition of passing clothes on and stuff was uh, was the way things went. If you got uh, new something, usually it had been through a couple of relatives, cousins or brothers or sisters, before it got to you. But nevertheless, it was new for you, right? And so there was delight in it. This first pair of corduroy pants, you know, trousers with a sound system because they make noises when you're walking, you know. That was so cool. I always remember that. And they were warm in the wintertime. But they were used, you know. Our inheritance will be new. It will be glorious. It will be wonderful. And it will be ours, imperishable, unspoiled, and unfading. Revelation 21.5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I already read that one. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Imperishable, unspoiled, unfading, and reserved. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise and glory of his name. Having these assurances, knowing right what our inheritance is, how absolutely real it is, and, and uh, I don't know, my, the words fail me. But it, it, it's, it's better than gold. Gold eventually wears away, you know. Uh, it's better than silver. Silver tarnishes. Jewels, they, they become nothing. It depends on how the economy's doing. The economy, <laughs> it'll go. Bye. You know, all of that, everything will go except our inheritance. 
and that will be ours forever because of Jesus and what he has done for us. It will give us faith and hope in the love of Jesus Christ to function as God's people no matter what happens. So Paul, talking to the the Thessalonians here, uh, they're worried about the day of the Lord because they hear how terrible it will be for those who receive God's wrath. But Paul says, you're not with them. You are not children of the darkness. You are children of the light. You are sons who will inherit these glorious and wonderful things. So... You don't need to worry. In fact, you can keep on mission, even if things get really bad. Right? It, it's kind of like, well, last week uh, uh, there was a, a microburst in Anasquam. A little super intense storm. It knocked trees down. It took out power lines. It, it tipped over bird baths. It, uh, it, it sent, sent people's uh, laundry to Worcester, all those kinds of things. <laughs> And, and I, I, you know, I, I had to run down to the church because the alarm went off and I had to go down and check to see if everything was okay. So I, I came out and there were the, the linemen. You know, it was, uh, it was uh, National Grid. These guys were out and it didn't even stop blowing yet, right? Those guys are all out working. The linemen, the men and women of National Grid. Trees down, dangerous environment is there. Wind, rain, thunder, lightning, giants, dragons, everything. And yet, there they are. They're out there up the pole and in their, in their, in their cherry-picked buckets and all that. I'm thinking to myself, these guys are courageous. They have an, an acute sense of mission and of duty. And they have good insurance and death benefits, right? Because there they are, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, would I be up in that bucket? I don't think so, unless I had good death benefits and I had good insurance and I knew that I would be taken care of no matter what. The good news is, children of the light have the same thing. The same thing, but better. You know, our... Our insurance doesn't, doesn't, doesn't hinge on the solubility of the, of the business that promises us those things. Our promises come from God. And God never lies. And he never makes fools of people who believe in him. God is for sure going to give us our inheritance because he loves us and wants us to be with him. And that's why Jesus came to make that possible. So we have a mission to work hard. Paul says in chapter 6, So then, let us not sleep, as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. So he starts out the, the, the verse here with so then. Now, so then, it's an important little Greek word, because when you see the so then, you know there's a summation coming up. So everything that went before is, before is going to get summed up in the next uh, phrase. He says, let us not be asleep. So he's referring here to moral indifference, the condition natural to the enemies of Christ or for the others, right? And here the word is hoi loi poi, the others. It's related to the word hoi poloi. Now we're, we know what that word is, right? It means, it means the riffraff. And in Greek it means the same thing. It means riffraff, you know? 
So we're not part of the riffraff, the, the people who will be under the wrath of God. We are the others. We are the, the children of the light who do not belong to the night. So we will not be asleep. We will be awake, mental alertness, being watchful for the parousia and sober. A moral emphasis here in the word, it's used to condemn all kinds of excess. So we're going to be self-controlled in other words. So God is saying, don't lose your head. You know, we know the day is coming, great and terrible day of the Lord. It's coming, it's for sure, it's inevitable, but don't lose your head, stay controlled. You know, you're the ones who have the assurance that you will come through that victorious and you will be with Jesus forever. And he goes on in verse 7, he says, For those who sleep, sleep at night. For those who get drunk, are drunk at night. The kind of conduct that Paul is opposing belongs to the dark, not the day. He has already pointed out that his readers are sons of the day. The expression used here is not metaphorical. Paul is simply saying that night is the time when people do bad things. It's when they sleep. It's when they get in trouble. When, when they get drunk. But since believers belong to the day, be self-controlled. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. That's one of Paul's favorite metaphors here, armor. Uh, since we belong to the day, let's be self-controlled. So he's using, he's using a, a military reference here to, to sort of give us a, a vision of a soldier, a sentry on duty. And because it's his duty and because he is prepared uh, in his training and in his uh, sleep and, and diet and everything, he has is, he is, he is, uh, schooled himself and trained himself that during his hours of duty, he is alert and ready to rock and roll. Paul says the same thing about being alert and sober and ready to rock and roll for those of us who are looking forward to the great day of the Lord. Because it's a terminus. Everything will end. There'll be a new start. Everything will be new. So from now until then, we have a job to do. To be a testimony for our righteous and excellent King Jesus. And also concern for the others, the the hoi polloi who are out there hurting and desiring to be saved. I was talking to a friend the other day about, uh, about uh, you know, rescue missions and uh, hospitals and, uh, and uh, uh, nursing homes and, and jails and, and places where people are being challenged. Environments where they may be suffering, you know. And one of the things about ministering to places like that is... You don't need to convince them that there's an issue, that there's a problem, that they're in a jam. You don't need to go there. You just need to say, good news, folks. There's a remedy for where you're at right now. And his name is Jesus Christ. And without exception, one of the joys of my life is to minister in those places, to see the look on people's faces when you tell them that there is a remedy for what ails them. I remember some years ago I went to Boston Rescue Mission and there was a lady there who had been selling herself to buy crack cocaine. And uh, uh, she looked terrible. She looked like she was about 65 or 70 years old. Wait, I'm 65 or 70. Well, anyhow, she looked really, really old. 
and worn, you know, just a skinny and pale and the skin was rough and the hair was scraggly. And, and I got up and I, and I read from Isaiah the passage where it says that the Lord will take away the ashes of mourning and give you a crown of praise. You know the ones. Chokes me up. Anyhow, she heard that and said, I want some of that. So we prayed for her that night. And then I came back up here to the North Shore. A couple months went by and I went back. And uh, I walk in and this, this young woman runs up and says, Oh, Pastor Grace, it's so good to see you again. And I'm going, who are you? You know, I'd never seen her. I had seen the old her, though. The one that was almost dead. When she heard the good news, she didn't need to try to figure out whether or not she was in a jam. She knew she was in a jam. And she called on Jesus, and Jesus saved her. He took her from the realm of darkness and planted her in the realm of light, in the kingdom of God. When you see that, you never forget it. And you want more of that. You want to see more of that. And the, the idea is for us believers, between now and when Jesus comes back, we can do that for the whole world. For all the people, no matter where they may be, if they are in darkness, our mission is to get the light to them, right? And to preach to them. So Paul is saying, don't lose your heads. The day is coming when Jesus will be back. But stay sober, stay alert. Keep busy. You know what you are called to do and be about that work. Self-control, sanctified and focused. It's generated by that blessed, that breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of hope. Not the kind of thing where I hope it'll be a nice day or I hope the teacher won't notice I didn't do my homework this time. But a sure and certain expectation of salvation. A sure and certain expectation. Salvation is the general and inclusive term for the whole great work of Jesus for us, of which redemption, transformation, sanctification, etc. are aspects. The link with hope shows that here the future, the eschatological consummation of all things is especially in mind. That's what Paul is talking about. The hope that rests on what Christ has done and reaches forward to the final unfolding of all that salvation means it is a real and present helpful helmet for the Christian, warding off the world's hard knocks. The reason for our hope is a sustaining and powerful reality because God has ordained it. First Thessalonians 5, 9, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says that God has appointed it. Our salvation rests not on our strength or our decisions. It rests upon the divine initiative. It is due to God's intention that believers are brought into salvation through the work of Christ. Now, if the hope of salvation is a strong motivator, then the fear of judgment ought to be a strong deterrent. Paul mentions the wrath of God. It's one of the things that gave the Christians in those days uh, a deep understanding of what was in store for them if they did not hear the gospel. 
New Testament Christians were sure of the wrath of God and had a deep gratitude to Christ for saving them from it. Of course, in modern times, some take Christianity lightly because they have emptied the wrath, its content. And to banish the wrath of God from the scene is to rob life of a good deal of its serious purpose. God has not only appointed us for salvation and glory, but has also saved us from his wrath and eternal misery through the work of Jesus, whom Paul says died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Of course, in this little sentence, being awake or asleep means means being dead or alive, in the flesh or in the spirit. Of course, Romans 8, 38, 39 reminds us, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor anything present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Union with Christ means entering a new relationship so enduring in its effects that even death cannot affect it. These words are a further reassurance for those experiencing the difficulty of thinking about those who have passed away prior to Christ's return, which is what the Thessalonians were worried about in chapter 4. So be encouraged, Paul says. Whatever be our state when Christ comes, we will live with him. I remember the end of school as a kid. For me, it meant an end to the strife, the anxiety, the fear, the disappointment, difficulty, etc. The last day of school was success for me. Freedom, joy, fun. I was a child of summer vacation. It never snuck up on me. Paul says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Because of all that Paul has discussed in this chapter, he finishes with that therefore. And uh, I'm not going to say it. (laughs) If there's a therefore, look what comes next. Christ is our reality, in whom we love and are loved, in whom we believe, in whom we have hope. And the hope will never leave us until it is replaced by everlasting presence. And that's heaven. And that's our inheritance. It is not tarnished. It is imperishable. It will never leave us. It will never disappoint us. It will always be fresh and glorious. And that's what awaits children of the light. Be alive, children. Let us pray. Supreme ruler of the visible and invisible worlds. Our hearts are drawn out to thee for thy amazing grace and condescension. Thou hast kept our conversion fresh before us, that season of our first spiritual comfort, when we passed through the Red Sea by a way we did not expect. We rejoiced then for that unthought of passage that deliver us from the fear of the Egyptian when we had almost despaired of life. We rejoice now as these things are fresh and lively in our minds. Our souls melt when we think of thy days of old with us, when poor, worthless creatures without wisdom to direct or strength to help ourselves 
were laid under the happy necessity of living upon thee and finding thy consolations large. Thou art our divine treasury in whom all fullness dwells, our life, our hope, our joy, our peace, our glory, our end. May we be daily more and more conformed to thee with the meekness and calmness of the Lamb in our souls and a feeling sense of the felicity of heaven where we long to join angels free of imperfections, where in us the image of our adored Savior will be completely restored so that we may be fit for his enjoyments and employments. We remember not, we remember not to be afraid to look the king of terrors in the face. For we know we shall be drawn, not driven, out of the world. Until then, let us continually grow, glow and burn out for thee. And when the last great change shall come, let us awake in thy likeness, leaving behind us an example that will glorify thee, while our spirits rejoice in heaven. And our memory is blessed upon earth with those who follow us, praising thee for their lives. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen.